Welcome to the Totally Transformed Podcast. My name is Lance Borden, and I'm sitting here today with my mom, Dr. Connie Borden. Hello, everyone. Great to be with you today. It's just the two of us, but uh, we always enjoy getting together because the Lord has brought us together through you being my mom, yes, me being your son, to be able to have the privilege of talking you today through this medium of a podcast. And so what we wanted to talk today, uh, this week, really for all of us that are here in the United States of America, what's been top of mind for a lot of us, which is America and its future and what the election results show and what that might mean for us as believers. But also we wanted to look at who are we as a nation? Mm -hmm. Are we a Christian nation or are we a secular nation? Are we a nation that uh, is founded on the Bible, or are we just another nation like any of the other 200 nations in the world that just happens to have a different name? Um, And we believe, and we'll just state the bottom line up front, that we are a Christian nation. We we know the facts are that we were founded by not perfect men, but men that ascribed to godly biblical values, um, most of them, many of them. And they therefore wrote those values into our Constitution. So we wanted to go back to some of that today. Dr. Connie Borden, my mom, has quite a history. She's researched this topic quite a bit. And so we have a lot of great facts and a lot of great information about the founding of our nation that I think will encourage you, no matter what the result of this election is in the next four years and who's in the White House, these things should encourage us as believers that we are exceptional because of God, not because of us, but because of God and and because of the Bible and because we're founded on those principles. And they're principles, frankly, that we want to continue to fight for our nation to be founded on and driven by. So anyway. uh, I just wanted to add something to that, Lance. Regardless of where we are in any time in history, what you've said is true. So we are the standard bearers because we're Christians. And if we confess to be a Christian, meaning you've accepted Jesus Christ in your heart as Lord and Savior and surrendered to him, nobody's perfect. We're all sinners saved by grace. Sanctification is a lifetime process. But I want to exhort our Christian audience, and if you're not a Christian, we would invite you to accept him in your heart today, our Christian audience to take that stand, same stand, if my people that are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, and turn from their wicked ways, I will heal their land. We, that's 2 Chronicles seven fourteen. We don't know if that's a complete revival. We don't know if God's capturing uh, 100 or 200,000 or a million around the world or more in these last days. But we don't, do know our standard is to be surrendered, to be examining our hearts, to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit, how we could be part of the solution, not part of the problem, praying for the leaders, praying for God's will. We pray, or we pray, I started this probably, I don't know, about six years ago, usually the Lord's Prayer every day. It's a perfect prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And as you know, the prayer says, lead us not into temptation, deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom and power. And and so what I'm saying is that ultimately, 
as you talked to me, Lance, before this show started, that we don't lean to our own understanding, Proverbs 3, 4, 5, and 6. In all our ways, we acknowledge him, and he directs our paths. He is in control. And if you would like, I'd read a, I'll read a little excerpt that I wrote this morning about this time. He is in control as we call forth his will on earth as it is in heaven and desire that for history, which we learned when we were homeschooling Lance, he's now uh, an adult and has four children of his own, he's uh, raising and homeschooling, but we learned history is broken down to his story. We have a history of this nation, we have a history of the world, but it's ultimately about his, capital H, meaning the Godhead or God or Jesus. For the most souls to be redeemed for eternity, to be accomplished. In the meantime, he will sustain us and use us according to his power and outcomes. As our lamp stands are kept full. That's a scripture reference about keep the anointing of the Lord with you. Keep close to the Holy Spirit. Keep your near clo- ear close to the word and to practicing his presence so you can develop a deeper discernment for yourself, your husband or wife if you're married, your children if you're married, and out there from that circle in my book that gives you that priority so your stakes are strong as we're lengthening our cords. That's an analogy to a tent. You have to keep making your stakes strong. And as strong as America is, is as strong as the world will be. That has been the history, because we have been blessed here. The nation has been weakened by a lot of sin in and out of the church. So we're praying for God to heal our land and to repent. And I just exhort you as a fellow Christian to let the Holy Spirit examine your heart, because anytime you go through trial, whether it's in a nation or your individual life, the purpose is to teach you to be an overcomer of Satan and to understand his strategies. The purpose is to trust that no matter what I'm going through, Jesus will devoid it of its ability to ultimately harm me and my family. That's John 16, 33. The purpose is to withstand persecution like Jesus did. Maybe not that severe. I don't know. Nobody knows. But the Bible says when you encounter uh, persecution, rejoice. And finally, the purpose of trial. And I think we can almost make a choice here. When we raise our children to be obedient and they're disobedient, we discipline them. So they'll be obedient. So God, who is our real heavenly father, in addition to our earthly fathers, will discipline us if we're walking out under Uh, serving Satan or sin or practicing sin without repentance. It's not that we don't sin. If you say you have no sin, you're a liar. But you've got to be sensitive to keep what we call a perfect heart. If you sin, you make it right as soon as possible with someone you've offended or with the Lord or with yourself. And you don't practice sin without repentance. We have a new attitude, which Paul addressed in Romans 6 and 7. Do we just sin on purpose so we can execute God's grace? Of course not. But then he said, wretched man that I am. Sometimes I do that. So some of you may be caught in sin because Jesus came to heal the brokenhearted and set at liberty those that are bound. If you're caught in sin today, whether it's sexual sin, whether it's alcoholism, whether it's drugs, whether whatever it is, and you need ministry, 
There is ministry out there. Totally Transformed Ministries is about that. TotallyTransformed.org. If you need to email us, they go where? They can email us at info at TotallyTransformed.org. Because we can minister to healing hearts, brokenness. I've seen so much woundedness going on right now. People that are supposed to be Christians wounding others. And when you're wounded, you can self-medicate. You can form strongholds that need to be broken. First thing Jesus said when he stood up in the temple in Luke 4, 17 and 18, which was a confirmation of our core verses, Isaiah 61, 1 through 4. Basically, I've come to heal the brokenhearted and set at liberty those that are bound. I put it on my Christmas card this year that some of you may get. So that is the story. Don't stay bound. Don't stay unsaved. Don't stay hurt. Don't stay vulnerable to the enemy in any way that you can make a choice to press into God and your fellowship, your immediate family. Here's the order. You and God, you've got to develop your relationship with the Lord in his presence in the word. Then I said, you and your spouse, if you're married, there is unity in marital prayer because Jesus said, let them be one as you and I are one, Jesus praying to the Father. You and your husband are one in the Christian faith. Your prayer, and you have to work on staying in unity sometimes because we're men and women. We have different preferences. We have different process. We have different pressures. So you have to, it's not that you won't have conflict. Do you resolve it? Because what I define is reaction, is we'll have reaction when you're hit with trial. More emotion than the situation Uh, uh, matters or causes and you're not able to handle it maturity is going from that to a response you have emotion that the situation calls for and you and your father in heaven Jesus and the Holy Spirit and your family members that are ordinary sinners or the body of Christ or your cell group can help you handle it but I'm telling you some of the hits and trials and exposure, and disappointment, and betrayal that even Jesus went through right before he was crucified is really hard to take. You've got to have God's God's grace, the ability to do in the supernatural what you can't do in the natural. So that's my exhortation. Um, Just one little other thing right here. As I was saying, uh, you keep your lampstand uh, full um, for uh, these things. Instant rapture further sanctification because it's a lifetime process, which means becoming more Christ-like, further persecution. In all this, we rejoice because our focus is on him. Our redemption draweth near sooner or later. That's the promise. It's in God's timing. Therefore, the kingdom of God for us at all times is righteousness. He imputed his righteousness to us, and we pursue righteousness because he's a holy God. And he wants our hearts to remain free, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. As we remain focused on this day, what we are doing that will be counted for that day, and take one day at a time. For each of us that is called is significant in the body of Christ, played out in the order of our circle of influence as a priority. That is because there's enough evil for today to deal with. Yesterday is gone, and tomorrow may never come. So Lance, you have some scriptures to verify that, to keep our ears and heart attuned to his inspired word and the Holy Spirit. 
Well, one of them you just said is Romans fourteen seventeen. It says, For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Right? So that's obviously putting our focus on the Holy Spirit, no matter what our circumstances are. Right. Another one is Romans eight twenty eight, and this is the Amplified Classic Version, but it says, We are assured and know that God, being a partner in their labor, all things work together and are fitting into a plan for good to and for those who love God and are called according to his design and purpose. Some of the things, Lance? All the things. All? All. all. Yeah. Whether you planned on it or not, if you're walking in Jesus, right? Yeah. And it's important to note there too, that it's fitting into a plan. Right. And so that's, you know, we pray most of the time with human understanding. Yes. Right. And the power of the Holy Spirit. Right. Right. But we're, but our, you know, our default is our human understanding. We're not all knowing. Right. So we pray for the things that we think are the best outcomes, right? Right. Uh, sometimes uh, God, that uh, that is God's outcome, right? Right. Sometimes he miraculously works, you know, throughout the Bible. The woman with the issue of blood wanted to be healed. She had faith. She touched the hem of Jesus's garment and she was instantly healed. The, the friends that brought the sick man, the lame man on the mat uh, to see Jesus, they lowered him down through the roof because they were hoping for a good earthly result for him to be healed and Jesus healed him. You know, we hope, we want and believe and pray and hope and will not give up praying and believing that our nation will remain a Christian nation and a bastion for freedom and liberty and prosperity in the world. However, no matter what happens and what our circumstances become, it's still all fitting into a plan. Correct. According to Romans eight twenty eight, And, and you that's know, comforting. It's Is comforting. that comforting? It, it's yes. comforting. And, you know, it's kind of a, I think it confounds the world because yes. the world says, oh, sure, you prayed for one <laughs> result and you didn't get it. So you just fall back on all things work together for good. And the answer to that is exactly. Or you go berserk. <laughs> yeah. Because you don't believe well, that. But it's, but that's true. Yes. I mean, the fact of the matter is. you have is, to believe it. You have to believe it. You have to believe it. But it, yeah. I mean, you because you don't get the result that you had hoped for as a human being. That's right. That does that has no bearing There's on a sovereign the reality God. of God and that he is right. still working his plan. And it might be higher, right? For example, we were talking before we started recording that uh, things are, are turning out differently than we had hoped, but uh, the result is probably going to be more people turning to the Lord as yes. a result, right? So yes. You there comes a point where you accept a result, so to speak, and you say, "Okay, Lord, uh, you're and you and we should have really all, all along, and we should all along, really be praying for the perfect will of God because we know yes. that sometimes it's different than what we had hoped for." Because He is about He, I, I believe He loves the United States of America because we have represented Him and sent missionaries all over the world, and we were founded right. on biblical principles that As we're going to talk about. Under God, right? but yeah. but His ultimate, His highest priority is the kingdom of heaven. Yes, which is and, our real our real destination and home. And he said, "I wish that none would, would perish. perish and fall short of the glory of God." So he's after souls, yes. ultimately. And sometimes going through a hard time as mm-hmm. a nation or as a people group or whatever you want to call us, uh, it, most of the time it's going to turn people to the Lord. And so that would be the best re- ultimate result. Absolutely. So anyway, let's get to some Can- some references to our founding. Can you do just one other thing? Because this is a uh, recipe. First of all, you said two verses before we start about weary and well-doing and also taking one day at a time. This is a recipe or an exhortation 
on how to live. These things are in the scripture. We can think about it and pray about it, but we can't worry about it. Right. That's Galatians 6, 9. And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. And what's the one about taking one day at a time? Matthew six thirty four. Bottom line, now you're going to have to probably maybe more than ever in your Christian walk in this nation find the formulas that work and they're not formulas what they are are exhortations by god on how to live so you can stand in security and strength matthew six thirty four is actually jesus talking he says therefore do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about its own things sufficient for the day is its own trouble and, so, and by that lance we be believe that you get up you're in a spiritual battle with the enemy, but he was defeated at Calvary. We have delegated authority over him, and we have practiced the five R's to victory to your thought life because he works through lies. If you need a resource for that, go to totally transformed, totally transformwithaneedy.org, and then ask for the uh, five R's to victory to your thought life resource or go there and you can download it. Yeah, it's a resources tab on the totallytransformed.org website and you go to print resources and you'll find several things there that is a, that are free PDF downloads and one of them is the five R's to victory in your thought life. Praise so God. what are some of the things that, uh, that are factual about our nation and some of the amazing things our founders said about nations and nation building uh, that you've researched? Well, first of all, I want to go from recent to history. I mean, history of people that didn't live in our uh, lifetime. And uh, Theodore Roosevelt on April 23rd, 1910, gave what would become one of the most quoted speeches of his career. He left the presidency in 1909. So this was a year later, but he had gone through World War One. All right, we, I, you, you and me, Lance, haven't gone through a world war. Right. All right. He said, it's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have been done better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again, because we're all sinners, saved by his grace, because there is no effort without error and shortcoming. But who does actually strive to do the deeds? Who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions? Who spends himself in a worthy cause? Who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement? And I want to couch this. We know high achievement in the will of God. It is exciting to live in the will of God, even in trial. And who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. And Lance, you were in Iraqi freedom. You were deployed during the Iraqi war. You know the military. You, I don't have to tell our listening audience about these people that stand. Um, I just want to say before we go to the slides of earlier history, Ziklag, 1 Samuel 30, here's a formula. When you don't know what to do, he did four things. First Samuel 30, you can King read David, it. King David, right? Yeah, King David, been in battle, that type of man in the arena. His mighty men left him. Amalekites had captured all of his family, burned down his property, and took all of his uh, animals and things. He did four things. He encouraged himself in the Lord. If you don't have anybody to encourage you today, encourage yourself in the Lord. 
read through Psalms. David wasn't always not encouraged, but he always encouraged himself in the Lord and came out in a praise, which is the fifth R to uh, five R's to victory in your thought life to rejoice. So he encouraged himself in the Lord. He inquired of the Lord. You inquire of the Lord and he's all knowing and you need wisdom. It says in James 1, if you lack wisdom, ask and he'll give it liberally. No matter if you're facing something you never faced in your life or hope to never face again and that might. He inquired of the Lord. He's all knowing. He's everywhere. He's all powerful. Number three, he rehearsed his victories. Let's just say, according to what Lance says, that our America is shifting and we don't recognize it. I'm going to incur, I'm going to rehearse the victories of America in history because I know it and the history in my life when we were blessed because we followed after righteousness and God could bless us. And number four, the most important thing, he, David, King David, who had committed adultery and did some pretty heinous things, but he also was a valiant man. He killed the lion, Goliath, and the bear. He stood in this time that I'm telling you for the Israelites, which we are, were Jewish and grafted in the vine as Gentiles, and he recovered it all. So that goes with what Lance says in a compliment, that all things work together for good to them that love God and are called according to his purpose. We will recover it all, either here or in eternity. Right. No doubt about it. All right, so then some of the people, uh, is there anything else you want to say about that, that, Lance, before I go on to these slides? No, that was good. All right, so um, as some of these people I'm going to talk to you about, like Theodore Roosevelt, like current leaders, I personally feel that the president that I voted for, and, and you know, that's my uh, conviction according to his platform and the word, stood like no president I have ever seen in my lifetime or in history yeah. against unbelievable persecution, mm -hmm. defamation, corruption, and odds. But I count him in the company of Theodore Roosevelt or this man, George Mason, who signed the Declaration of Independence. Uh, he said, as nations cannot be rewarded or punished in the next world, they must be in this, by an inevitable chain of causes and effects, providence punishes national sins by national calamities. Which to me means, you know, God cannot wink at sin individually or nationally. There has to be repentance and there can be instantaneous forgiveness and washing away of any sin that we commit but as a nation, we also are held accountable, right? And there has to be repentance and change in our behavior in order for God's blessings to continue. I think that's what he was referring exactly. to. Exactly. Right? And somewhat we have to, or not somewhat, we have to understand as part, let's talk about part of the body of Christ. Every little person or big person, leader, smaller role is important. The analogy is the body, the head's big, you see it, but what the little toe is important. So if you're in chronic sin and you're deceiving Christians or hiding it, fellowshipping with others, and you're choosing to sin chronically without repentance, you affect the whole body. Just like if your little toe was broken, it would affect your head. You'd be thinking about it. You'd be thinking of the pain. So our exhortation is not holier than thou. We're all ordinary sinners saved by grace, but just let the Holy Spirit 
Be near to examine your heart at all times because sanctification gets a little deeper and a lot deeper. It's the little foxes that spoil the vine. Little foxes spoil the vine. So he might be after jealousy or gossip or um, pride. You know, Satan fell by pride out of heaven. And so I'm going to tell you this in this next quote. The Senate, I'm going to confirm that. The Senate Judiciary Committee on January 19th, 1853 said, but they, the founders, had no fear of jealousy of religion itself. Not did they wish to see us as irreligious people. They did not intend to spread over all the public authorities and the whole public action of the nation, the dead and the revolting, spectacle of atheistic apathy. Athe- I couldn't believe those two words. Atheistic means you don't believe in a God. Some people believe in a God, but they're so apathetic. They don't act. They don't pray. They don't choose to be strong in the spirit. And they go, la, 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 la. Somebody else will take care of it. I just don't feel like we can afford to do that. Mm. All right. Um, this is a Delaware statement about the Constitution they did in 1776. This was, of course, at the Revolutionary War when this was formed. These are the colony or the East Coast original states. Everyone appointed to public office must say. This just makes me want to cry. Okay, I'm sorry. I do profess faith in God the Father and in the Lord Jesus Christ, his only Son, and in the Holy Spirit. They weren't afraid to say it. They needed the three. The early church knew God, accepted that he sent his son to die for us, and were filled with the Holy Spirit. They were water baptized. They were spirit baptized. They were saved uh, in the reverse order. And so the Lord Jesus Christ, his only son, and in the Holy Spirit, one God and blessed forevermore. And I do acknowledge the Holy Scriptures of the Old and New Testament to be given by divine interpretation. Which which lends itself to the fact that separation of church and state, as we understand it today, is incorrectly interpreted. Yes. The founders did not mean that we could not declare our faith in the in the action of government or by or as leaders in government or serving in public office. They just meant that the government could not establish a national religion as it was in Europe and out of the nations that they had come from, especially England. Um, and so we should be and are supposed to be able to practice our faith in the public square without any reprisal. Uh, like it seems like uh, more and more we're being attacked. And thank the Lord. I just want to shout out to Kelly Shackelford and his group at First Liberty that is fighting for our Michelle religious Bachman, freedom. Some yep. of these people. And, um, and also Family Research Council that's doing amazing work to continue to promote um, the practice of Christianity, as well as the fighting for freedom of religion. There's also it's being Jay Sicklow and, and, and his group, the ACLJ. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. go ahead. All right, so um, present day heroes. Yes, fighting like these men. Yes, no doubt about it. We want to be part of that company. Right. Congressional Proclamation, October 18, 1780. These men, if they got in a stalemate, they went to God. They went to prayer. They were David's. To be observed as a day of public thanksgiving and prayer to cause the knowledge of Christianity to spread all over the earth. 
they also had the right purpose. They knew that they were saved and other people needed to be saved, right? Right. Uh, interesting, this is the wife of uh, Adams that was president, Abigail Adams. A patriot, this is 1775, a patriot without religion, in my estimation, is as great a paradox as an, as an honest man without the fear of God. Hmm. There just wasn't any such thing as right. somebody fighting for this nation right. and not knowing God. Uh, Governor Morris, who signed the Declaration of Independence, governor of a state. We've had some problems with governors not following God. Religion is the only solid base of good morals. Therefore, education should teach the precepts of religion and the duties of man toward God. They believed religion was spirituality because they had the standard of the word of God. George Washington said September 19, 1796, this was 20-some years or so or less after this, the, the uh, Revolutionary War, of all the dispositions and habits which lead to political prosperity, political, religion, which I just defined what they meant by religion, following the word in prayer, and morality, not a religion that holds to a power of, I mean, a form of religion where you go through checking the box and it's not a heart thing, but they deny the power thereof. They didn't deny the power. They had relationship. So let me start over. Of all the dispositions and habits which lead to political prosperity, religion, and morality are indispensable supports in vain with that man claim the tribute of patriotism who should labor to subvert these great pillars of human happiness, religion, and morality. Moral means that you choose holiness and standard of the word and what's right or wrong. And if you don't, you repent. And I just want to do one more because we've had so much uh, focus on the courts, the Supreme Courts, the uh, federal courts in our states, or I guess the Supreme Court is the federal court, but the state courts, because when you can't get righteousness and right civility in a matter, these courts are supposed to interpret what has gone down and land on the side of civility and a standard of morality and the word of God. And the rule of law. Right. So here's a case in 1844, Vidal versus Gerard's executor. I won't go into what the case is, don't have time. But this was the result. The purest principles of morality are to be taught. Where are they found? Whoever searches for them must go to the source from which a Christian man derives his faith, the Bible. And Blackstone's guide for all lawyers and Supreme Courts was full of Scripture, full of it. And that was the guide back in when? Like in the 1800s. Uh, uh-huh. 1800s. In the, and then in the 1900s, it started to turn to a liberality, man's interpretation. Humanism is man interpreting man's problems and man's solutions because man is on the heart instead of Jesus Christ. Then we're in trouble because it's called a relative morality. In other words, if I think it's right, we should do it. I once heard that one of our current presidents said their definition of sin is, well, if I don't feel like it's right, I don't do it. That's not good enough. We have to have a crystal clear standard that doesn't move. And it was given to us by inspired men and women through the Holy Spirit, which is called the Bible. Mm -hmm. 
If it doesn't measure up against the Bible and tells you not to do it, for example, I'll give you one last thing in this social morality that has slipped and slipped and slipped. The Bible says to be married before you have sex. It's in the covenant of marriage, not because God's an ogre, because that's where it's supposed to be placed when you've committed your life forever to your husband or wife. That's where it's supposed to be placed so you can procreate the earth with godly children. That's where it's supposed to be placed to meet your sexual needs because God, as you can read in the Bible, is very for uh, that for recreation and pleasure and procreation. Mm -hmm. And if you read the definition of marriage in Webster's original uh, uh, dictionary, uh, 1828 dictionary, look, if if you want to order one of those, look up marriage. Crystal... To be in a covenant, the marriage bed is undefiled is the example. The purpose is to raise godly children and be a source of holiness. That's what marriage is, was defined. Daniel Webster in that dictionary at age 28, the original, was a Christian. How to be saved was on the flaps of the dictionary. But then if you read the definition of marriage in the current uh, Webster's Dictionary that has been revised over and over and over. It'll say marriage is a social contract. I believe it even doesn't even say between men and women. But you can look it up if you want to. I'm just telling you, I have given you proof. I could give you more, but this podcast is long enough right now. We were established as a Christian nation. Those men were guided by the standard of the Bible, and our nation was blessed the further we get away from that, at one point, we're going to have to flip from God's mercy and grace to God's judgment, and the world may be over. But for you, Christian brother or sister or child, that means you spend eternity with Jesus. That means there'll be a rapture. That means that we won't go through tribulation in my theology. Because why do I need to go through tribulation when I'm serving God with my whole heart? He's my Lord and Savior. I seek his will every day. I seek to be an answer, not a problem. And when I miss it, I repent. He honors that. He blesses that. He will make sure he provides all your needs according to his riches and glory. And he will use you because he can trust you. You're stable based on what we said today, not based on the current circumstances. You know, uh, we just read a few of those great quotes from heroes of American history and founders of our nation um, and leaders of our nation. Um, a lot of those quotes uh, come from David Barton's Yes, ministry, right? well, actually, he uh, uh, gave me this whole set of uh, slides. He's the one that wrote Myth of Separation. Mm-hmm. If you want to read a book about what Lance was saying about that, that that's a lie. We don't separate them. But anyway, uh, bridge. Um, that's what I was going to say. If you want to know more, you want to hear more, go yeah. to wallbuilders.com. Yes. He's got lots and lots of resources that can give you. You might be saying, well, where do I find these things? Because I, I don't hear those yes. ever. Uh, wallbuilders.com is such a great resource and a great organization that is continuing to educate us on the truth of our founding and what these great men and women said. And one of the most important, I just want to reiterate, is myth of separation because it's a lie that that spirituality is divided from our government. It's right. a lie. But listen, right. I want to say one other thing. He gave me these slides because he goes all over the world. I was privileged to get them. I gave several presentations when we lived in New York. But I'm telling you, this is truth. 
You don't change history, which is another thing that's going on right now. Yeah. Let's change we're history so history. we don't have any written record. Yeah, and we're there and we're teaching our children in the public schools 1619 wrong yeah. history. So anyway, lots to pray about there. Do not get discouraged. Do not be willy, weary. Do not be weary and well doing. <laughs> do not be weary and well doing for in due season you will reap if you do not lose heart. Amen. That is Galatians 6:9. Let me read it. Then let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Amen. And Amen. it goes on in verse 10 to say, Therefore, as we have opportunity, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Hallelujah. So don't stop going to church. Nope. Get keep gathering together, even with restrictions in place. Let's fight for not only family traditions, like we were saying this Christmas, but let's fight for the gathering of ourselves together. In family church or right? cell group, whatever yeah. you have to as do. As small as it needs to be, yes. but uh, in bigger is, is, is good as well and very refreshing, I might say. So let's, let's go ahead and close this out with prayer. And uh, you want to lead us in prayer, Mom? Okay. Lord Jesus, I just come to you. We come to you in agreement because we can agree because we are following the will of God. If anybody agrees, if two or three agree about the will of God, the answer will come. And so we agree, Lord Jesus, for this audience. We agree that you'd encourage them, that you would call them out to be saved if they're not, and that you would bring fire in their belly so they won't be cold or lukewarm. They'll be hot for the principles and purposes that we have exhorted today. Lord, we pray for anybody that's sick, discouraged, emotionally upset, brokenhearted, depressed, anxious. Do not be anxious for anything, but in everything by prayer with thanksgiving, make your petitions known to God and the peace of God, which passes all understanding will keep your heart and mind, you that's listening to me. Lord, I just pray for the three things that define the kingdom of God, righteousness, peace, Righteousness imputed by God and choosing righteousness. Peace that's beyond understanding. It's not the world's peace. It's the inner peace in your heart with God and joy. I plan to have joy around the people that are having joy no matter what's going around them. And I exhort you to do that too. I pray, Lord, for joy, peace, and righteousness to fall on the people we're talking to. And if they have to do something, you've already chose us. Lord, inspire them. Holy Spirit, inspire them to choose you so that if a rapture takes place today, they will be with you in eternity. Or if they take their last breath, they will be with you because nobody goes to the Father but by Jesus the Son. In Jesus' name we pray receive and believe all these things. Amen. Amen. 